Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website it's dpetro.com it's tuesday it is december 20th it's christmas week i'm sure uh well we're on the air until friday but i want to wish everyone a very merry christmas uh very safe christmas which it comes down to these can be challenging times but i hope everyone understands the importance of the the season so last night if you're just uh tuning in right now you could certainly go to the website dpetro.com I was out last night at the city's ninth homicide, right off Cranston Street, the street called Waverly. I had not been on it, and uh, something happened, and a man was uh, shot and killed inside the business. There's a pretty dramatic video. We were there on scene for two and a half hours, perhaps. Police did address the media, which they tend to do at that. See a lot of the video. There's also a very dramatic video when the uh, best friend of the victim showed up and 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 was very very emotional as you can imagine and wanted to get inside to see his friend it's um and then the medical examiner shows up and we you know have the video then we're moving the individual the the victim whose name um will be released young man late 20s so we you know i don't know exactly what happened but the mayor laws was there so uh you can see that and then for those that enjoy facebook live we'll be out tonight episode six cranston pd live we'll be out with the cranston police tonight that's eight to ten i get it some people are not on facebook now we're also loading these videos onto youtube and you can always check them at the website dpetro.com no eyes log on scroll around a little bit and you can see some of our content in some of the video now a story that i i want to um and we were talking about yesterday especially with uh, justin katz and it's this business of charter schools and so it is the you know it's obviously the the holidays and uh well, christmas and by then hanukkah and new year's but in the new year you're going to start to hear a lot about charter schools and especially in the city of providence where and i was playing some of it mayor lorza was uh pretty outspoken that he feels that the city should move more into charter schools i think what they miss a little bit is that i think it'd be helpful to explain to the general public which i don't think they do enough of the charter schools are public schools people don't get that okay so what's the difference why do they perform so better well they start earlier they go later they even have more school days as a matter of fact right so why why would 
a traditional, why would a charter school be able to perform better than, quote, a traditional public school? They're both public schools. Why would the charter schools be able to do that much better? It all has to do with the charter schools do not have the teachers union involved. When you have the teachers union involved, it's very much um, very, very difficult, if not impossible, for the administration to try to get any type of meaningful change. So, and what you I think you're about to see is what's happening in in different parts of the country where they're breaking away from, quote, the traditional traditional public school. And, and you know, it, it's all about not having to navigate. This is what I believe it is. It's not having to navigate so many of the problems. And, and I, I also recognize a lot of people essentially uh, don't fully understand the power that the teachers unions have, the inability to change anything. They just, they can't change anything as a matter of fact. So, and as a result of that, you know, it's the ultimate, nothing changes if nothing changes. So now yesterday, Mayor Laws was being criticized by some because he said he would not send his son, baby Omar, to a traditional public school. He sent him either to a charter school or private school. And then the teachers unions jump in and they make some of the individuals that are reps up at the state house, you know, you push back on that and blah, 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 and and the whole thing. So I want to hear a little bit. This is uh, Mayor Lorza was a guest with Gene Velicenti, Channel 10, 10 News Conference. And I, let's dip into a little bit of that sound. Is expecting it to come right back up. That never happened. People are going elsewhere, and so there's just extra space right okay. now. And that opens a door. That opens an opportunity. You know, I've been very vocal about the need to either have deep reforms in the traditional schools or let's just move to charter schools. Charter schools are doing amazing work with the same children. Um, but one of the problems they're finding is that there's no space in the city. And so it opens up a door, an opportunity. We have two buildings with mm-hmm. a third one coming online in three years. And so it's not up to me, but, you know, I hope that these spaces are made available for you know, high-performing charter schools that want to expand here in Providence. All right, does the mayor have a say in that? You own the buildings. Mm-hmm. Now, the state took over the system, so they're making calls, and then the Education Commission said, I want to close these two schools. Uh, she didn't say to make room for charter schools. She said because they're not safe. The ceilings are falling down. It's a bad place. Yeah. Did she have to consult you with that and tell you because they're your schools, technically? Yeah, so programmatic decisions, they, they handle. But right. the truth is that there's declining enrollment, right? Okay. You can't move out of a school if there's no place to send kids but since we have fewer kids and talking about the school department in general you know as I reflect back on my time here and just what I've learned um, you know I came in thinking that you know I was going to change the schools and I didn't care what the political cost I didn't take I didn't care what it took I was going to get it done and what I realized was that you know there is no person no mayor no superintendent no principal that can turn this around Uh, the problems are structural and unless we fix the structural challenges the contract, teacher tenure, and arbitration laws, it's all going to continue. So we either need deep changes there right. or 
You know, let's just move to public charter schools. Yep. Charter schools are getting the job done, and yes. they're doing it with the same kids with the same resources. Think of that. Right, so let me just understand this. So the state is running the system. The state has less students to teach. The state is saying, we're not going to put them in there. And consequently, the city gets an empty building, and you say, make that a charter school. Spend right. whatever it takes to bring it back. Now, when you say charter school, you, you're going to get the union angry at you. That's, no, that's nothing new. They've always been angry that's at you since you came in. Par for the course. <laughs> but they're saying, wait, a charter school? That goes against the grain. What would you tell Mary Beth Calabro, the union president? So, you know, I believe in public education. And charter schools are public in every every yeah, sense of the word. That's right. And all I care about is what's best for our kids and what's right. best for families. You know, right now and every year, the waiting lists at these charter schools are off the charts. Yes. Families want choices. Families yes. want options for the kids today, not 10 years down the line. So for me, it's very simple. What's working? And let's invest in what's working. We have charter schools that are educating the exact same kids with the exact same resources. Mm. Why aren't? we investing more and allowing them to expand. That's right. And why do we want to preserve a system that has been failing our kids that's for right. 40 years? Wow. At some point, you got to try something different. And yep. that's why the push for, let's just expand charter yep. schools. And if there are additional barriers and roadblocks, well, let's just charterize the whole thing. Okay, charter schools operate outside the union rules. The Correct. They bargain for. That's, and that's the, the key. Norm, according to yeah. you. You, you can't work with their rules. No. Are you saying they've taken advantage and you yes. can't deal with them now? Exactly. This is what I think about. You know, I'm, I'm a Democrat and, you know, I'm like left of center. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm all for the little guy banding together to fight the empire. You know, I can get behind that any day. Mm -hmm. But there's some times when the little guy bands together and becomes the empire. Yeah. And uh, what we've been seeing is that, you know, the teachers union has behaved in that way and they seek to preserve their advantage. So teacher tenure rules, seniority, yeah. and when they can't get what they want at the city level, they go and get evergreen contracts at the state That's house, right. yeah. state law. And uh, it, it's come to the point where they stand as a barrier yes. to the kind of fundamental changes that we need That's in the schools. Right. Like, no one will argue that you know, we need sort of changes at the margins. We need fundamental changes. Wow. And if they're not willing to agree to those fundamental changes, well, then that's fine. But let's look at the alternatives because the future of our kids are too important to simply give up on trying something new. So no argument. You don't have enough kids to fill those schools. The state says, I'm not going to send them there anymore. You say, great, give me the empty building. Let's make it a charter school. Now, you also advised your successor, Mayor Brett Smiley, yeah. in uh, an interesting news conference. There are a bunch of former mayors, and you were the current mayor, and he's the future mayor. And you all said to him, don't be bullied by the teachers union. Get yep. off against, you know. Don't let them bully you off the bat. Make sure you got a strong stance out the door. Let's listen to this, and then we'll listen to the reaction from uh, from uh, Mayor Mary Smiley Beth. first, or incoming Mayor Smiley, and then Mary Beth Calabro, the union president. Play them back to back. Let's mm. listen. I appreciate everyone's wisdom. They will add to um, the plan that we're assembling. One of the key components to my transition includes the re-engagement of families and parents um, in our school system, the collective decades of wisdom here and the recommendations that I'm receiving today um, are important. Not one pair of minutes is Feinstein at Broad scheduled to close, nor is Kalji Loro, and certainly not Gilbert Stewart. The lack of communication and the lack of respect that you have shown to this community. Lack of respect. All right, that's Mary Beth Calabro. She's the union president. She's angry that the, the Education Commission wasn't up front on the closure of these schools. They had a fight the, on Twitter last weekend. And before that, Mayor Brett Smiley reacting to what you told him. Now, there's a little, you have a little place 
next to your desk, a little room over there, right? It's a nice room. Yeah. Yeah, old panel, beautiful. Did you take him in there and say, listen, you got to take care of this teacher's union off the bat because they're going to bully you. What did you tell him? Uh, pretty much what we said publicly, in all truth. Um, you know, and, you know, my years overseeing the school department, Tavares's year, Paylino's years overseeing, you know, that's a lot of experience. And we all came in thinking we were going to change the schools. But unfortunately, when we left, um, schools weren't fundamentally any different or better than when we came in. And uh, we don't want him to make that same mistake or come to that realization four or eight years in. We want him to know right from, right from the get-go, many of the things that you likely want to do, you can't do. You can't because you don't have the power because of the structural barriers yeah. that I mentioned just a second ago. And so we urge you to look for alternatives. What are different approaches? And charter schools are sort of staring us right in the face. They're getting amazing results mm -hmm. with the same kids. It's free public education. That's right. So why not invest in what works? And every year, parents are voting with their feet. They're signing up for the charter, charter schools. And if you win the lottery, yeah. I mean, you're ecstatic. But if you don't win the lottery and you've got to send your kid to mm. you know, these schools that you know are failing... How demoralizing is that for families? That's right. We can't keep doing that to folks. You know, what if I roll the clock back eight years to when you were the new mayor coming in? What if what if an outgoing mayor said, you can't do it the way the way it's presented now? You probably would have said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Never mind. I, I'll, I can do it. You've really changed your thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, I, I, I love mayors. Right. Um, and this is kind of self-serving. I don't Ooh. want it to come off as self-serving. Interesting but comment. Mayors are different than other political you know, politicians. You know, we're city executives. We're not ideologues. We're, we're problem solvers. And uh, we go where the facts lead us. And, uh, you know, I came in believing that we we're going to fix the traditional public schools, put a lot of energy into it, mm -hmm. a lot of time into it. Mm. When you come to understand all the roadblocks and the barriers, you know, you, you come to a point where, all right, this is what needs to be done to fix it. Is that realistic? No. Probably not. And so let's look for alternatives. Um, and so I'm not ideologically wedded to any position. No. I'm simply for what works. And what works is staring us in the face. Charter right. schools have done amazing work over the yep. past couple of years. And no union involved. parents out there, I want you to know that you know, you do have options. Yeah. You do have options to advocate Folks, for think how opportunities simple it for your is. kids right now today. Go to the non-union school. Years for the possibility that schools might might improve. There are options today, and advocate with your voice. This is Mayor Alorza. Use your voice. Ten news Advocate conference. for the expansion of charter schools for your kids. You're basically saying you can't fix a system that's broken. Flush it out and go with charter schools. Yes. That's how you leave us. All right. When we come back, let's talk about policing, crime. You have good news on crime this week. All right, folks. Well, he did anyway until uh, last night's murder. All right, folks, much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident 
Go to Atman Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. AtMed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. To the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Joining us right now, she is an independent columnist. Is one of my siblings. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, uh, in the past, and a lot of people may not know this, but you, in fact, uh, worked for the Republican Party, one of the legendary leaders of it at one point, Haley Barber. I'm sure there's a lot of contrast with what the party was like then as far as priority compared to now. But by all accounts, there's definitely a, a battle going on right now for who, in fact, is going to be the face of the party, the chairperson of the Republican Party. Yes, I did. And great to be with you, John. Um, and that was in the early 90s. And I uh, was there under who, someone who was, by the way, a very successful chairman at that time, Haley Barber. Uh, he really knew how to not only keep all, you know, the, the base very charged up, he was uh, kind of a legendary fundraiser, but he also, John, really understood about message and connecting to your voters and really knowing about the get out the vote, you know, whole machinery. And at that time, very different from now. Um, but what's going on right now, I think this is uh, in addition to, you know, there's always news about Trump and, and there's, a you know, the fight going on of the speakership. But this is, I think, equally significant. I really mean that about who will lead the RNC. And so we have, uh, let's face it, Ronna McDaniel, I believe this would be now she's in almost six years um, or would be her third term. And um, someone who has been a very, um, you know, very smart strategic lawyer who does a lot of work for them is um, Harmeet Dillon. She's uh, very bright, um, very driven. She's a very rock solid conservative. And I think, John, even though, when you're a sitting chair of that operation, you obviously, after a couple of years, obviously McDaniel has, you know, lots of people. They may feel they owe her. You know, you get very chummy. So right now it would appear she has the votes. But if people don't realize, let's say in Rhode Island, you really just have a couple of people who can be part of that, like, voting body, you know, because yes. it's a state chair, GOP, for instance, Um and, and you have like chairs of state GOPs and then often, you know, a couple of other officers or people who are on these designated committees. But I think this is, as I say, I think this is as equally important as, uh, you know, of Kevin McCarthy going in and then all the battles about who's running in 24. Because what has been really importantly noted under McDaniel, John, they, they're not really doing the playbook that got really flipped around after 2020. Right. And yeah. you know this from, and you follow everybody in all kinds of news, politics. If, if the playbook changes, then, then you really have to change with it. You know, sure. you, you can't say, well, this is how we've done it and everything. And I think what Dylan is saying is the GOP number one has to come out from under the notion of just election day 
go to the polls uh, style, pushing the vote out. That's it. It changed whether you, you know whether you like it or not. And so she's talked about this: the machinery of the voting, the early voting, and getting, um, you know, but also being conscious of the opposition with the ballot harvesting. She's talked about a lot of these things. So, um, and she also said, look, under McDaniel, there were numerous really important races, and the GOP came up short. And now is now, John. We know they, they don't have the Senate. They have right. the House by very small margin um, and, and et cetera. And that it, a lot of it is about you've got to attract candidates who can carry messages that are not just repeating talking points that, frankly, John, sometimes anyone can find that on the Internet. You know what right. I mean? Like there are people yes. who talk like that. Yeah. Um, you've been very, very astute. Sometimes yeah, your callers, it <laughs> right. It's like, well, just because um, all these people repeated on Facebook, it's, yeah. it's not effective. Uh, elections are won by, as they say, you have to add voters. You know what I mean? You can't just say we have this locked in base. It's not enough, obviously, because <laughs> look right. what just happened. Right. So I, I would just say that's one to watch. It, again, it doesn't seem like the most, you know, fascinating thing, but I think it's very important of, of what is going to be done with the national party and that, you know, and, and they also have had a lot of excessive spending that seems to happen under all the chairs. But I, I just think this idea that, you know, you can do the same playbook, it's not turning out well for no. the Republicans. No. And speaking of that, and again, folks, speaking with Donna Perry, DJ, you know, you start to wonder now if Kevin McCarthy does have the votes to become speaker. And, you know, one of the things I want to get your thought is that there is apparently still this never Kevin block. Now, one thing I'll say, the Democrats, for whatever reason, they seem to be able to get some of their party members in line better. The Republicans in the past, they they dealt with, you know, the Tea Party. And now, you know, you had apparently President Trump was calling people not having success, even Marjorie Taylor Greene calling right. people, but you have these individuals that what they say, it, it may play in a Republican primary, it may play in their district, but it, it certainly doesn't. But there are these different individuals, some of them, they call themselves America First, others, anyone that is not as extreme as they are, uh, they, you, you, you can't talk reason with them. They're, you know, non-negotiable, everyone's a rhino, blah, blah, yep. blah, they, 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 you know, uh, anything that mentions bipartisanship Democrat is, is like a dirty word to them. And he, he uh, Kevin McCarthy is still struggling. And it, it doesn't look like right now that it's very possible he's not going to get the votes to be speaker. Uh, you know what? In this whole battle, in my view, John, and making this such a public fight. Yeah. Uh, and it just feeds the media that, let's be honest, the Washington media, they love to beat up on the Republicans. It's sure. more it's more self-sabotage. And, yep. John, it weakens McCarthy yes. going forward, no matter if they can finally iron it out. My sense is they can. But when you look, as you say, that group of five, this guy, Andy Biggs of Arizona, oh. like, J.D., like... You know, that's like saying the my pillow guy should run, you know, the caucus. And, and right. it, it just is. I, I understand these people get into this. They may have had good intentions, but Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, in my view, yeah, is just a little bomb thrower. He yeah. is not effective at all. Um, they don't understand about playing the long game and, and 
like the you know we've talked about this bit in the past they all take and now you know mitch mcconnell they act like he's a progressive left when you talk about who's out there they they have no idea how effective someone like that has been and he lined up the u.s supreme court and that took a lot of work yeah and and it also you have to have strategy and everything else so I think these five holdouts, the other couple of ones who are in there, I don't think their names anybody knows anyway, but they know Gates and Andy Biggs, John, is that that's just a death knell if they they're not going to get it. So what they're all they're doing is having this, in my view, again, it's just weakening the party worse. Yeah, Um, it's just about disruption is what it is. It's uh, it's nothing that can work effectively when you have President Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to reach out to these people and getting nowhere. Right. Then then what are we talking about? Like what they then they uh, to me, I lose patience. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. Your your vision of how this thing should work is is completely a disaster. It would not work. You don't have enough people and all you're doing. It is as we're saying, is is just giving more ammunition to the other side. And if I might add this too, like yeah. I mean, a guy like Jim Jordan, who is about to become, he will be chairing judiciary committee. He's really mad with them, and he's saying, like, you have to understand process. Like, it, right. if you can't even seat the committees, I mean, there's yeah. a structure to all this, and you can't. Yeah. And he's supposed to have the gavel. Um, they want to question a lot of stuff, and. Look, um, what and also what's rolling out in front of everyone this week, which to me, this immigration border fight, this is a pivotal moment, John, right? The media should, the Republicans should be unified talking about that. Title 42 is about to be lifted. That really matters in this country. And, and that's an example where Instead of pushing the media, I know there's coverage of it, but you need to have a disciplined, united messaging. Um, and, and we all know, and you've been long out front on this issue, John. We are seeing the ramifications everywhere in the country, not just the border cities. But look, that, that's, you, you shouldn't have cities in southern Texas being essentially turned into complete chaos. No. And they, and they look like refugee camps from, you know, uh, some far-flung war, and you have people sleeping all over your downtown. And and if this country can't get control of that, and my point is that is what the Republicans should be rolling out this week, right? Yes. Like talking We're about gonna, that. Yeah. Talk about that. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 431510 Tom Bryan 
Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with opinion making columnist Donna Perry and uh, DJ. What we I did want to touch on was this business that's uh, El Paso, the situation down yeah. there. We saw how you know the vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, reacted when less than fifty people arrived. They're talking about seventy four to seventy five hundred a day are arriving there. Uh, Biden will not go to the border. Harris won't go to the border. That Mayorkas claimed less than a month ago that the border was secure. This is this is very serious. We are not built this way. Uh, the way the cartels, the way that all these different countries are able to recruit people coming in, what we're about to have to watch happen this week, and if they don't do something immediately to try to stop this, th- this is... This is so beyond the pale as far as having an open border, and it is just a line of people. Absolutely, John. And and as you say, I mean, this is really, then uh, these border crossings and, and people who come from whether it's Central America, it's gone way beyond that. It it, it's, it's almost, it goes all around the world. They're basically saying the southern border of the United States is simply a walk-in situation. That's right. So that is what we have at this point. Um, I don't, Biden should not be allowed to hide on this. Harris, who was supposed to be his point person, let's that's a joke. I mean, that you know, that's just nothing going on. And and these um, you know, Mayorkas and all the rest of them, John, they they don't have a solution no. or they don't want a solution. And so they're, you know, all this stuff and, and it is shameful and you should not have the United States look like we're, <laughs> you know, a, a border between, you know, rival countries that you see in, you know, all over the world and and etc so i I don't know i think that like there's not really an answer biden they they push around so many other issues and they waste so much time on all these culture wars um you know and gender ideology and all this other stuff look they've got to get control of it and it is not it doesn't make people racist or any other you know nasty word they want to call people to say that th- this is a major safety issue for the United States. And, right. and it's also not, look, the other thing is half of the migrants, they, they have horrible accidents coming over. They have coyotes. They're, they're essentially, you know, some of them die and they're in the Rio Grande and they drown and, and the whole thing. So it's very irresponsible at the very top of the U.S. government to um, just play politics and say, you know, that, oh, the Republicans are arguing it. It's like, no, it's, of course, someone needs to get control of it and you can't have an open border that, and that's really what it looks like right now. And the situation in El Paso before we move on though, but what I also think is interesting, Donna Perry, is this is not just a Fox News channel or a channel story, all the majors, whether it's Lester Holt or ABC or, you know, this week and meet them. They are all seeing this is not a matter of business as usual, you know, some border crossings. This, you know, people don't like it, but it, it really is basically like a full scale invasion of people that are coming in, treating it like an open border. I remember when I was in D.C. back in September, just a few months ago, they were saying, you know, in the past, they don't run from Border Patrol. They they surrender to Border Patrol. Right. And boom, you have to bring them in. So for all the criticism towards Trump and build the wall. Uh, you know, it also comes down to politics. We both know 
that if for whatever reason the Democrat Party, in my opinion, if they thought that once they come in that they would eventually vote Republican, they would, they'd seal it in two seconds. This, this right, is a matter John. of the more of those individuals that they allow to come into the country, they feel it benefits the Democrat Party. Absolutely. And there's no other way to see it that it is not intentional. That yeah. they that's the thing. And and yeah. as you say, it isn't just haplessness. I think it's no. intentional. Uh, they do see that as just, you know, adding to their numbers and that's shameful. Look, um, yeah. it's known there's drugs, there's fentanyl and everything else. So um, and all the people that come in here that need, you know, special services, all um, kinds of services. Now, Donna Perry, also the Trump campaign right after the election, which did not go great. President Trump announced. Since then, the campaign has gone very quiet. If anything, it's been a series of, you know, bad news in Pennsylvania, then what happened in Georgia, the legal problems persist. But now the latest with um, kind of puzzling that he had said and was telling people there was going to be a major announcement. And of course, people, you know, his base perks up and that's going to happen. And then it was in the form of these NFTs that could be sold so these trading cards um a former president so i want to get your thought on that i um i i i I am uh puzzled by it 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 seems beneath the office i don't fully understand what's going i thought it was too early to announce anyway so the fact that he's laying low for 2024 i don't think that's a bad thing but the the selling of these these NFTs, what, what does Donna Perry think? <laughs> well, I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's, it is beneath the office. Um, and, and I also think um, underneath all this, despite there was a quick spike up of saying people had interest, there was uh, somebody had maybe his Wall Street Journal. John, the truth is his online fundraising is actually beginning to taper off. Now, yeah. he may have had a big bump. They're looking for ways to do it. But I just think he he's allowing himself at this point to be reduced to a punchline and, you know, to to just decide you're going to do that. That, to me, does not look like someone who realizes that he could go back at it and have a, a serious run for 24, in my yeah. opi- opinion. Sure. You know, it just doesn't. And I think it's it's just... Um, there are, as you and I, I think have talked about the problem is out of the cushion of the white house where he still had serious, smart, um, good people around him and Pat Cipollone's and these other people, John, he, they, he has hangers on at Mar-a-Lago. And so he doesn't, and because you know what, if you want good political advisors, you have to pay them. And I think he's, he's always been in this like, you know, thing of, he, I don't think he likes to pay staff and you can't i don't know who he's listening to at this point um the criticism came from many corners bannon and other people who were always supportive so i just think that it looks it's cringeworthy to me that he that he's stooping to this um again you might get a bump out of it but it's just i thought it was actually kind of bizarre and i i think you know if you're leading snl skit you know like i i just think that it and who cares about that but i don't i think this is showing you know how how does this project to people who maybe said well 
you know, they're just kind of going after Trump and he, he has good solutions for the country. John, it just makes him look like P.T. Barnum or something. Yeah. Well, the, I, you know, I saw Newsmax did a thing like, yeah. wow, look at that. You know, five million in one day. What other candidate could do? Like, what, what are you talking about? That, yeah. I mean, DeSantis and already it's you're starting to see people start to wonder maybe there's too much baggage. Maybe it's time to move on. I know and I'll put out, you know, right now a disclaimer. I know the Trump people don't they don't like anything negative to be said. And they start saying, well, what about Hunter Biden? What about right. the laptop? And blah, blah, blah. We're talking about that. Uh, he's going to have some company in the Republican field. It was um, it was puzzling, to say the least. It seems odd. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of it other than we're going to have to wait and see how some of these legal scenarios play themselves oh, out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the January 6th stuff is is not going away. So, you know, for all this that could be said about what about the laptop and Hunter Biden? That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about this particular president and um, or former president, I should say, and and like we've talked about Tana Perry, it's not easy to catch lightning in a bottle twice. That's exactly um, it, John. You know, when you start to wonder that, you know, and I, I never thought I'd come to this, but, you know, you start to wonder if, okay, you get 2016, but 2018 was not successful. 2020 wasn't successful. And 2022 certainly wasn't successful. So you start to wonder the farther we get away from 2016, if that was just kind of, you know, a have once in a century situation where everything aligned at the same time and yes, and, and it, it did happen that way. But it's um, I think what they are finding is just how difficult it is to even try to come close to recreating something like that. Right. And I've often very much worried only for and for his own sake, John, like who yeah. has his ear right now? Right. See, I yeah. just think that's a big part of it. So you right. can't run the last cycle's campaign all over again. That, that'll yeah. ne- 2016, you can't recreate it. No. And uh, the people that are around him now are not the crowd that was there in, uh, in 15 or 16. I'll tell you that much. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy no. donna perry finally also um there was an interesting piece that i what's going to happen to quote the downtowns you know it was um no matter where you are in the country because of covid because of people now yeah, working from right. home it's it's not so much a providence thing it's, it's a boston thing with a lot of uh companies and um what used to be because both of us at different times have worked in what would be considered you know the downtown area whether yeah. it's midtown or whatever but um 
there's an element of it that's kind of sad, but at the same time, you know, times change and people just seemingly don't want to go back into that that can be avoided. You know, the big, the huge rush, the massive rush in the morning, the massive rush in the afternoon to go into these big downtown areas and buildings. And um, I, I, I'm not sure what the future, I think the future of downtown is going to be maybe more people li- trying to live in some of these places as opposed to work in these, these in, you know, these different buildings. Yeah. And, and you, you really do have a, a couple of major forces um, kind of coming together at once in this whole issue. And I, I'm, I'm glad you had pointed that out, that piece to me, because when you look at like a San Francisco, as it started looking at that, but it's it's many cities, it's not just emptied out. It's, it's becoming like a hollowed out, you know, yeah. which, which is a very, very um, unfortunate thing. And, and the fatal blow in a way. A place like San Francisco has had these things that we're now seeing in many cities, which is very cautious, which is very, you know, troubling. And that, first of all, was just the confluence of um, the homeless and the homeless encampments, um, which is going on in a lot of places. So then the fatal blow is the pandemic. The other thing I would note about San Francisco, though, that a little bit different is they have really the highest percentage of tech workers. Um, so that means people working in all those kind of companies, John, and those kinds of companies really, once they, you know, you let the horse out of the barn, you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. Um, that tends to skew a younger workforce. You're never getting them back in no. those buildings. See the, and that's the thing. Um, and, but then we have like new generations of recent college grads, their idea of work and, you know, quote, going to work. Well, that's very different from what we grew up in. Um, but I don't think it's a, I, I, I have a personal view on that. Number one, I don't think that's actually great for 20 or even 30 somethings in, in terms of their career and just their social environment. Um, I really mean that. Like I, I, so much of your work life, you're, you're at work more than your home on Saturday and Sunday. And I think for a young person, that's actually a very, very important um, social outlet. You know, I think it is, it's all part of it. And I, I think also um, it's, it's, and also to sort of increase your career, there's not, it's just not the same, you know, to email people, you know, and then try to connect with them. It's just, um, there's not the same. So I, I think it's kind of concerning. And I, I think the American city in, uh, you know, writ large, we don't want to hand over the city to sort of street thugs and the, you know, and the, and the kind of the riffraff, I hate to say that, John, but like that, that's what kind of happened when the pandemic cleared people out. Right. Yes. Um, you know, sort of the unsavory element really said, hey, we're going to have the run of the streets, you know? And yes. I mean, that certainly has continued to play out in New York. And, yeah. but as you say, this is a combination of problems. I mean, you're, you're just not, we also mass transit, you know, people in New York, you know, all that very, very well. Uh, you're going to get up and get on a 5:30 train and go bumbling into the, you know, and have a bumpy ride and you go running around and you grab the tr- subway just to be at your desk at 8:30 as people always did. So now it's like, they see the light. They're like, why am I, I'm not doing that. If I can, you know, yeah. have a big home office, but if everyone does what, what is happening to the downtown? So, right. It's, you know, one of the last note, and it's just, and I don't see anyone writing about it, but, 
I, I for myself, when and, and, and the same thing I would also do with, but when I, you start out, you're, I'll just say a male, but you're a young guy, you're working with older guys and you're not related to them and they're not a teacher and they're not your father, but right. you know, it's little stuff of how you properly tip in a restaurant and here's, here's yes. where you want to get a good raincoat. And, you know, and I, you know, you, the guy, young guy comes in and you explain, you don't wear a certain type of suspenders and things like that. And, and all of that is lost with these, again, I'll just say gender, but young guys that are working yeah. from home and they're never, in that interaction element, I think we're going to get a group of young guys that are going to be in their 30s, but they, they seem more like they're 22, 23. 24. I agree. And I, I do, yeah. you do worry about young males. And I feel yeah. like then their, their maturity, they're, they're, you know, they may prolong their immaturity. Yes. Um, and and it you could know. Go, same thing could go for females. The same. Yeah. Yeah. So, Folks, yeah. we want to also uh, say Merry Christmas to Donna Perry. We certainly enjoy and Merry uh, Christmas. Yeah, that's right. JD. Our uh, weekly conversations will have more of it in the new year. Of course. So Merry Christmas, of which I'll be celebrating with you and our family yes. together. Yes, we're so and, uh, excited. And much more ahead in the new year. Thank you, well, DJ. Merry Christmas. We can't wait to see all the DePetros. Okay. This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating, and patios. Make it letter J, J Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401-732-1730. The next couple of months, get your driveway prepared for wintertime. Call J Perry Paving today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or how small. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. Call J. Perry Paving today. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Remember, even asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook and call 401-732-1730. Remember, no one's better to veterans than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, free estimate, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Now, folks, on this Tuesday, it's going to be interesting to watch how across the country, I uh, alluded to this yesterday, but a number of governors are all signing on and saying that they, uh, the, 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 the COVID money flowing in should come to an end. Now, that is taxpayer money. So a, a problem that we have is in Rhode Island, if there's federal money, they treat it like it's monopoly money, right? I mean, maybe, I'm not saying that they are careful with our taxpayer money, but they're definitely not careful with a lot of the COVID money that comes in. And Governor McKee has completely relied on this COVID, as a matter of fact. He doesn't know what it's like to have to cut budgets, to stop programs, right? He's used to literally, you know, there's so much money that is flowing in that I, at some point, this whole, you know, they're going to have a COVID hangover I think because of the amount of money that has been flying in and unprecedented amount of money. And then at some point he's going to have to, 
you know, break off from uh, like this is absurd with literally millions that have um, been available to him where they, you know, he thinks nothing of here's 5 million, here's 10 million. And then suddenly, you know, you, you all the money's going to come to an end. Now, a couple of the stories out there, there's an investigation. Um, uh, well, obviously, l- let's get to the fact that I like this story. A newly elected New York congressman accused of making up key parts of his resume, according to a report by the New York Times. I always like stories like this. Let me uh, hear this story from GMA. But now he's being accused of running a scam against voters. What he told them about his education, his employment, even a nonprofit for rescue animals, well, it is not adding up. This morning, explosive allegations against newly elected Congressman George Santos. The New York Times reporting the Republican representing Long Island appears to have misrepresented substantial parts of his resume, from his education to his employment. I hope I can earn your vote on November 8th. He ran on the American Dream, his campaign website claiming he's the son of immigrants, a Wall Street financer and investor who worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, graduating from Baruch College. But when we reached out to Baruch, they told us they checked their records for George Santos with his birthday graduating in 2010 and could not find a match. Hmm. Goldman Sachs confirming they can find no record he ever worked there, <laughs> and Citigroup reportedly can't either. On his campaign website, he claims to have founded an animal rescue nonprofit that saved thousands of dogs and cats. But ABC could find no IRS record of a nonprofit with that name. And this morning, an attorney for Santos insisting reporters are trying to, quote, smear his good name with these defamatory allegations. So the big question, what happens now? Republicans in New York say that this report raises serious concerns. But Republicans here on Capitol Hill, including leader Kevin McCarthy, have been notably silent. Santos did help Republicans clinch a narrow majority in the House. And McCarthy is working to get the votes that he needs to become the next speaker. Hey, that was up to his opponent to, to uh, flesh some of that stuff out, right? That was up to the uh, uh, his opponent, whoever's running against him. So he's, I mean, they're, they're not going anywhere. All right, let's get to January 6th committee. Not a good day for the big guy yesterday. By Congress. It was a moment for history. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Uh. The January 6th committee wrapping up its 18-month investigation in dramatic fashion urging the Justice Department to prosecute Donald Trump for multiple crimes related to the attack wow, on who the saw U.S. This Capitol. Coming? The committee brought forward new evidence even in its final hour. Never before seen testimony from Hope Hicks, one of Trump's longest serving and most loyal aides, who testified she told him she didn't see any evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 election. He said something along the lines of, you know, nobody will care about my legacy if I lose. Um, so that won't matter. Um, the only thing that matters is is winning. The committee also referred to the Justice Department evidence of witness tampering, wrong? saying a lawyer who was being paid by a pro-Trump group told one witness she could claim she didn't recall certain facts, even if she did and even suggested she could get a well-paid job from a pro-Trump organization. We are concerned that these efforts no may proof. have been a strategy to prevent the committee 
from finding the truth. I don't believe The committee that. summarized the most damning evidence against Trump, arguing that he knowingly lied about voter fraud, pressured state-level officials to manipulate election results, worked with allies to submit fake electors, and when all of that failed to overturn his election loss, whipped up his supporters into a frenzy to disrupt the transfer of power. As the mob ransacked the Capitol, some of them even chanting, hang Mike Pence, the committee says Trump stood by and did nothing. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position We're of authority find out. in our nation again. He is unfit for any office. I wouldn't The committee say that. concluded the president committed at least four crimes, including obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to make a false statement, and insurrection against the U.S. government. Donald Trump responded to this by once again attacking the committee and insisting that all the investigations he has faced have only made him stronger. As for the Justice Department, no response there yet. Of course, they will make their own decision about whether or not to prosecute Trump. Their investigation, Cecilia, is well underway. Yeah, it is, John, and we're going to pick up right there. Thank you. Let's bring in ABC News Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams. John just said it. This is the, the committee urging the Justice Department to charge Trump. Ultimately, no. it is up to the DOJ. So does this move by the committee recommending these charges no. matter? What does it amount to? No. It doesn't matter in terms of their conclusions. In fact, I would argue that the Department of Justice may not even want this because it, it, mm. it gives the scent of politicization, which is the last thing that the DOJ wants. But what is significant is the testimony, the evidence that the January 6th committee has gathered. All of that becomes available to the DOJ to use in a possible prosecution. And I think that's the key distinction there, the evidence versus the conclusions that they drew. Yeah, no former president has ever been charged with the crime. The DOJ, they've got to know. Merrick Garland knows they need an airtight case here if they're going to go forward. This so where could to. they end up going with well, Look, they could go in the direction uh, that the committee is suggesting. Any of those four crimes could be on the table. But remember, this doesn't even address the document case. Right. It doesn't even address the ignored subpoena, yep. which many would argue may be the airtightest of the of all of the potential charges against the former president. And we still don't know uh, at this point what special counsel Jack Smith could be considering. That is the huge factor going forward. Right, and we're not going to know. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm willing to bet on, is that we're not going to know exactly what he's up to until we hear a decision uh, from Jack Smith. And, and look, that's the potential danger here for former President Trump, is to some degree, Merrick Garland was a protection against Trump in the sense that he didn't want, I think, the potential political fallout of prosecuting a former president. Jack Smith isn't bound by that. Well, we'll be watching. All right, folks. So I, I, again, just more noise. All right, much more ahead. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Falcon Pest Services. 
12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation 401 739 1322.